0: hello everyone we hope you're doing well very well indeed during this crazy election where we wait for results and we promise not to talk about election news from this point on but just tech news yeah man i'm not trying to hear none of the election stuff amd's market share is
1: going up 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 and intel releases their first gpus in two decades apple secretly released a back tap feature and oh one more thing keep listening to find out we'll give you details about the raspberry pi 400 which i'm excited about and okay one small bit of election news prop 22 passes in california for uber and lyft drivers don't sorry about that that's it though trust me (laughs) that's it
0: meanwhile ai can tell if you have covid from your cough And NASA called Voyager 2 and heard back. Sit back and relax. It's time for the Tech News and Commentary on Joey's Totally Tech. Hello, and welcome to the November 6, 2020 edition of the Tech News and Commentary. I'm
1: your host, Joey Cagle. And I'm Antonio Guerra, and it's time for the General Tech News.
0: AMD reaches 20% CPU market share, highest since 2007, according to the Q3 2020 report. AMD shared the recent Mercury Research CPU market share results, These results showed AMD had reached its highest overall market share since 2007 and has its highest desktop PC share since 2013. In the x86 market, AMD took its highest amount of share since Q2 of 2011. This comes as AMD has been experiencing stellar financial results, pointing to amazing growth It also follows Intel's recent disappointing earnings report, particularly when it comes to Intel's desktop PC processor sales. All
1: right, so it looks like uh, AMD's doing pretty well. What do you think about that?
0: I think that's awesome. I think competition's always a good thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a particular fanboy of either company, though the past few years I've been pulling for AMD, despite having an Intel processor. But I've got a used server CPU, not a normal desktop CPU. All right. So, really, I think it's great that AMD's catching up. Again, I'm, I'm a fan of the underdog typically. I feel you know, it's it always makes for a good story, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, both AMD and Intel have their issues. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But I think this is great for AMD. It's uh, been great that they've been able to catch up with their Zen processors. Yeah. Intel needs to get back on the game. They've been having trouble with their uh processes over the past few years trying to get like ten nanometer process. AMD's at seven nanometer now. Okay. So it's like Intel's having trouble gaining lower to lower. Okay, well <laughs>
1: I'm sure they'll be able to figure something out. Yeah. Alright, so uh speaking of that, Intel launches Iris XZ max the GPUs for entry-level laptops. Intel is finally stepping back into the GPU business after two decades and shipping their discrete GPU in OEM laptops. They have launched their Iris Xe Max graphics solution. It's designed to complement Intel's Xe LP integrated graphics into the Tiger Lake CPUs. Xe Max will show up in thin and light laptops as an upgraded graphics option and has a focus on mobile creation. So this isn't really meant to be positioned as a gaming solution, but more of a mobile content creation solution, helping in applications such as Handbrake, Topaz's GigaPixel AI image upsampling software, and other productivity and creation tasks. Still, this is set up to compete so, with NVIDIA's latest generation entry-level solution, the MX350. Baby steps,
0: you know, baby steps. I, I think it's good they're getting into the at least the content creation GPUs here. because yeah. They'll that, make some money from that, you know. Uh, content creators want to have that GPU to help speed up the
1: rendering process yeah Yeah, for sure yeah i think it's crazy like how much you know you know stuff you're seeing as far as like content wise as far as like rendering like you know Mm -hmm. special effects 3d images all kinds of stuff on youtube yeah it's pretty wild
0: well even with just regular video editing like you don't need that powerful of a graphics card to render to to speed it up yeah you know just any dedicated gpu yeah it's going to speed up the rendering process for the youtube videos or wherever you're going
1: to upload those videos yeah for sure i mean i know i I remember like years ago i was opening a video like youtube it took like all day you know so mm-hmm. now i'm sure by now it's probably caught up
0: but yeah so even though intel's not competing with the gaming gpus yet, yeah you know they're going to compete with the likes of like uh gtx uh uh was it 1030 I think it was something like that okay that, that's uh example of what they compete with I think you
1: know well, those I mean, lower end cards yeah, that, yeah I mean it's lower end cards obviously there's different products that are needed for different situations so. yeah so
0: Apple's secret button on the iPhone and iOS 14 Apple has implemented a feature called back tap in iOS 14 It adds a new hardware button to the iPhone. Back tap turns the entire back of the phone into a touch sensitive button, which can trigger specific buttons. Settings can be modified inside of the accessibility menu. The feature can be integrated with shortcuts, so you can do almost anything you imagine with this feature. I can tell you right now though, I have the iPhone 6s running iOS 14. It's not going to work with that phone. It must be newer phones that can handle it. Now, do you think it works
1: if you have a case? Like...
0: The settings for it
1: don't even show up in there. No, no, I'm not talking about your phone specifically. I get that, but I'm saying like, if you have like an iPhone 12... Well, normally on the back
0: of the case, there's going to be a little opening for the Apple logo. Yeah, but you're yeah, right. they yeah. want to show that Apple logo. So I assume people would be tapping there,
1: if nowhere else. Yeah, I didn't think of that, because I always usually just have a full case. So right. I always have a like I have like a wallet on the back of my phone. Gotcha. So yeah, my thing's is usually all covered up.
0: So, yeah, if you're using a case and it's completely covering the
1: back of it up to use this feature, you might want to take it off. So I wonder what, like, you're going to do with that. Because I remember a few years ago, I think when, like, the 7 came out. Or I think it was the 6S, actually. Mm -hmm. That's when they started doing, like, the 3D tapping. Like, if you tap softly, it does one thing. If you tap harder, it does something else. I've never even noticed that on my phone. I think it's (laughs) just for, like, I think if you tap softly, it'll bring up... Instead of, like, I think on on most apps, like, if you tap on it regularly, it opens the app. If you just tap softly and hold, it'll bring up, like, a little options thing. What if I punch the screen? Uh, that might avoid your warranty. I don't
0: know. <laughs> I don't have a warranty on this. I got it used. Actually, I got it free. So You don't yeah. have a warranty on your
1: five-year-old <laughs> cell phone? What are you thinking? Hey,
0: it's a. it was a free phone
1: for me. I understand. <laughs> oh,
0: and one more thing.
1: Yes. ARM-based Macs. Apple has announced another fall media event. As expected, one more thing will focus on ARM-based Apple Silicon processors. This will take place on November 10th. The event will be streamed from the Apple Park headquarters starting at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Apple has decided to split their traditional fall media events into three separate streams because of the pandemic. MacOS Big Sur is the first Mac operating system to support both Intel CPUs and Apple Silicon processors. Apple Silicon Macs will also be able to run iOS apps with little to no modification.
0: Yeah, that's pretty exciting, um, especially for Apple users. I feel like this is going to be the first time in a while that Apple has really made truly different machines from like the Intel and AMD machines really because Intel and AMD they're focused on the x86 type of processors these are ARM based processors now Windows they've got a version of Windows that can run on ARM as well so I don't know if we're going to see a version of boot camp to get Windows running on these Macs might be interesting
1: What's the Um, difference between, say, like an ARM and an x86 processor?
0: It's the type of processor. So basically, you have uh, two big uh, types of processors. You have a CISC processor, which is what the Intel and AMD processors are, or the x86 processors. And you have RISC processors, and I'm trying to remember what they each stand for. That's RISC, R I S C, not R I S K. Gotcha. But um, basically, if I could explain it easily, uh, the risk is reduced instruction set code, if I remember correctly. Okay. Uh, so the risk processors just require less code to the processor to figure out something, where the sys processors that or like x86 that requires more code so uh, an arm processor or a rest processor can basically understand it faster gotcha you know all right it just requires less code so um let's say uh run around the house 10 times yeah i just tell you that okay we're I'd had to tell an Intel process or something a bit longer to get the same results. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I get Does that it. make sense? No, I get it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, so tell us about this uh, Facebook dark mode.
0: So yeah, Facebook is testing out the dark mode in mobile app for both Android and iOS. You can access this feature in the settings and privacy section under the menu tab for those who don't know what dark mode is you might notice like there's been a trend in more recent years for uh apps to have a darker look to reduce eye strain yeah you know and so you can turn that on that's uh that might be good at particular times of day then sometimes you might want something brighter and you can switch it to a brighter mode you know
1: mindset for like automatic so like during the day it's on bright mode then like at night it's dark mode so yeah so you know depending on how you want to do it are you a light mode or a dark mode guy or do you
0: care I, i've kind of grown to like a dark mode though as you see on my monitors at the moment it's not very dark mode is it well you got like you know word processing software up so yeah but... your
1: basic windows gray you know
0: yeah I think I can change the theme in audacity and I've got I'm testing out the Linux version of edge here okay and right now the theme is very bright so not a dark mode there okay. but
1: but on your phone you go yeah. for dark mode usually
0: on my phone I go with dark mode um, let's see. I know I've played around with a dark mode on the Facebook desktop, but I can't remember if that was something built into Facebook or if it was just a Chrome extension I had. I can't tell you the last I, time I used
1: Facebook on my desktop. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I
0: have a Chrome <laughs> extension that will do dark mode on any website. Okay. Yeah, so
1: uh, let's see...
0: Oh yeah, this is something I'm excited about. I'm going to let you talk
1: about it though, Antonia. I know you're a Raspberry Pi fan. So the uh, Raspberry Pi 400 has been announced. It's a compact keyboard with a built-in computer. This new device is a compact keyboard with an ARM-based computer built in and is available standalone for $70. Or with a mouse, power supply, micro SD card, HDMI cable, and beginner's guide for a hundred dollars. As a micro SD card slot, two usb 3.0 ports and a single usb 2.0 port it uses usb c for power and it has a gpio header for attaching a variety of devices as a quad core 1.8 gigahertz arm cortex a72 processor gigabit ethernet bluetooth 5.0 and 802.11 ac wi-fi yeah
0: so not only am i a fan of the raspberry pi you know that already but yeah. I think, you know, I'm a fan of computers that are like all in the keyboard, like those retro style computers, you know, like like the Talon you were talking about earlier. The Talon PC, which, by the way, we're going to have part two of that uh, coming this Monday. I've upgraded the firmware finally. Okay. So that's a good thing. Unfortunately, I know I'm not going to have time to bring you in for that episode as I want to get that released Monday morning and I won't have time to release the rest of that but yeah so you know Antonio's going to take a break for that episode <laughs>
1: it's okay you're so, going to save me a 20 minute drive Antonio's
0: <laughs> a hard worker oh yes i work I mean, very hard yeah <laughs> so so yeah i'm i'm excited about this i'm hoping to get it for christmas if i don't then i'll probably buy it myself you better make sure you're not on the naughty list uh, i better make sure yeah so uh, okay so Next up, uh, speaking of uh, Linux machines like the Raspberry Pi or like what I'm running, Linux Mint creates their own browser based on Chromium. Linux Mint, which is based on the Ubuntu distribution, has created their own Chromium web browser uh, version for their uh, repos. Maintaining the Chromium browser was a huge time investment for the Ubuntu desktop team, so they switched to Snap packages to distribute the browser, which a lot of Linux users hate. But this has resulted in security issues, which Mint developers felt they needed to fix. Linux Mint cut Snap out of its distribution back in June and the Snap-based Chromium from their distribution. Up-to-date builds of Chromium are finally available for Mint users. There had been a delay as Mint needed to automate the process of detecting, packaging, and compiling new versions of this browser. For those of you who don't know, Chromium is the source code that Google Chrome is based on.
1: Alright, so, uh, I don't know, what do you think about this new Linux Mint
0: uh, browser? Um, I mean, it's just basically the Chromium web browser. It's not anything really new. I'm glad that, I mean, I've had a lot of problems with snaps myself. Okay. Uh, now, what does, I mean, now, what is a snap exactly? So, a snap is kind of a Linux platform agnostic or distribution agno- agnostic okay. uh, package, actually. So I could take a Snap and anywhere else that Snap is installed, a Linux distribution with Snap, you can install it there. Okay. Uh, I'm not a fan of Snap because I've had issues with it, with like sometimes Snap's not working right. Or uh, just if I wanted to remove one, sometimes I've had problems removing it.
1: So you're kind of trading uh, convenience for reliability almost. Right.
0: What I prefer is uh, something called app images. I've had great success with app images. I love them. There's also another alternative called flat packs, which I've used flat packs. I haven't had any issues with flat packs, but I prefer app images.
1: Right on. Okay
0: great thing about app images is you don't even need to install anything to have app images work it's just a single file you double click it it opens up
1: oh that sounds pretty convenient yeah
0: and you don't have to worry about uh dependencies that you have to download because it's all right in there and you can transfer it from one computer to another easily right on. It's a portable application i love it cool cool
1: Alright, so uh, California voters say that Uber and Lyft do not have to reclassify their workers as employees.
0: The only election news we're covering today.
1: Okay, you, you promised before. Yeah, I promise that's the only thing. On the ballot in California during the election was Prop 22, a measure which maintains the status of Uber and Lyft drivers as independent contractors rather than employees, meaning they will provide them with few new benefits. Ken Jacobs, chair of the Labor Center at the University of California, Berkeley, said the proposition, quote, will take away basic rights and benefits for drivers under the law, end quote. Well, voters in California have passed Proposition 22. This comes after a previous bill, Assembly Bill 5, or AB 5, required many businesses to reclassify their contractors to be employees under certain circumstances. The new bill exempts ride-sharing companies from AB 5, so app-based drivers can continue to be classified as gig workers. But the new law does not address a larger problem, which AB5 was meant to stop. Labor misclassification. A type of employer fraud where staff are mislabeled as contractors.
0: Yeah, so I have mixed feelings about this because I know that a lot of these uh, people working for like Uber and Lyft. There's a lot of them that like being classified as contractors. Well, yeah, I'm you sure know. there's
1: advantages and disadvantages. Yeah. So. yeah.
0: But at the same time, I kind of feel like there's a, you know, labor issues there. It's like, do you feel
1: like Lyft and Uber companies like that are like taking advantage of it? Kind uh, of. I do. Yeah.
0: Okay. But at the same time, those companies are claiming they wouldn't be able to hire as many people if they were employees, and um, I mean, I get that, but. I think we should be treating our workers Fairly and you know I'm a pro union guy myself Um so I'm more on the union side As far as this goes Yeah, And so I I feel like they need to treat their Employees or They're not technically employees They're contractors fairly It's like you know we've talked about wrestling Quite a bit here even though it's not A wrestling podcast Um like, WWE for a long time has treated their wrestlers like they're employees, even though they're independent contractors. But at least according to what they say, they can't go work for any other wrestling company. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's part of their contract. Yeah, but then they should be employees.
1: Now, I understand what you're saying. I know that's a big uh, issue of contention right now. Uh, and I think like Andrew Yang has actually gotten involved with that.
0: Yeah, Andrew Yang has called them out on that. And Andrew Yang is someone who I'm kind of a big fan of as far
1: as that type of thing goes. Well, I think it's crazy right now is uh, I, I don't know if you've heard about this, but um, WWE's cracking down on a lot of their wrestlers using like things like Twitch and things like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've heard about that. So they're getting... You know, some of these wrestlers are making a lot of money from this. hmm And basically, WWE came in and said, Hey, you know, you're kind of using your wrestling name or your notoriety from wrestling to make money in this other platform. Yeah.
0: And I haven't talked much about that on here, but yeah. yeah I, I definitely think that's true and i think wwe is essentially creating uh or committing this uh, labor misclassification really well, the,
1: the biggest problem i have with it though is that they're basically they have to they can still run their twitch streams i think the biggest thing right now is twitch and cameo but there's other things too mm-hmm. but they're saying you can make money off of this but yeah it goes through us and it comes out of your downside guarantee yeah that so it's basically like okay you're making this money on your own we're not doing anything you're out here hustling, trying to make a little bit extra money, and we're just going to come through and uh, basically take it because they're they're giving you the money back, but it's coming out of your paycheck. So yeah,
0: <laughs> I don't think WWE should be doing that. You know, no,
1: I mean, that, even if they're employees, I think that sounds shady as hell. But I right, mean, it's yeah. extra slimy because technically not even your employees; it's your contractors. Yeah, so.
0: I wouldn't like the retail store that I work for just uh, taking money that I made from this podcast. You know. Yeah. Not I, that it makes any money, but. Well, yeah, but
1: I mean, I guess their argument is like, you know, we're investing in you and your character, but at the same time, too, it's like you can go out and make movies. Yeah. Like, I'm sure they they didn't take all the Rock's money when he made the very first, was it Mummy Returns? Mm-hmm. But, I don't yeah, know, whatever. But <laughs>
0: from, from an old school stance, I sort of get it because uh, wrestlers back in the day. They weren't supposed to break character on anything like that. They were supposed to stay in character wherever they were at. Wrestlers today, they're breaking character on Twitch and wherever else they stream. You know,
1: I mean, I think it just got to the point like the, the cat's pretty much out of the bag. I mean, yeah. I mean, Vince McMahon himself kind of broke kayfabe in the in the in the late nineties during the Attitude Era. And now just with, you know, social media and YouTube and everything like that, it's out the door. And I yeah. think even got reality shows about what's going on behind the scenes. So. Yeah, he
0: did. But sometimes WWE likes to act like it's not out of the bag, you know? I mean, I guess it's part yeah. of the,
1: I think that's part of the fun of being a, a wrestling fan yeah. is just the meta humor. It's just kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, you're watching this TV show about a fictional wrestling company. But at the same time, too, some things in the real world were actually happening. So,
0: right. Yeah. Yeah, so it seems like WWE goes back and forth. Sometimes they're like, "Yes, we're just entertainment, not a real sport," and then other times they're like, "We
1: don't want people knowing this is fake." <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, they probably they probably just decide like, which was gonna make us the most money in this situation. Yeah, I guess so. Um,
0: so anyway moving on netflix is raising the price of standard and premium plans in the u.s netflix will be raising the prices of the standard and premium plans over the next two months standard will now be 14 dollars per month and premium will be 18 dollars per month recently netflix also raised prices in canada so price increases here in the u.s are also expected it's currently not known if prices will increase in Netflix and other markets. I don't see why they would increase, but you know.
1: I swear Netflix raises their price like every year it seems like now. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: everyone else is raising their prices. I mean, you know, I guess I can't say I'm really surprised, you know. It's only a natural thing. Oh yeah,
1: I mean, supply and demand, I get mm-hmm. it. And inflation as well. Yeah, for sure. So. Oh, okay, so... uh people are jailbreaking used teslas to get features that they expect tesla sometimes claws back software upgrades from used cars and removes features that owners paid for at the time of sale in order to get the features back they have to pay tesla the full cost of the feature to turn it back on employees at tesla are told to put the software features back if people complain to avoid negative publicity the company can turn off any feature for any reason some owners have started jailbreaking their teslas to re-enable features themselves this may keep you from losing functionality of your Tesla, but it does void your warranty.
0: I, I'm just imagining... I mean, I don't know much about jailbreaking Teslas, but yeah. I'm just imagining someone plugging a Tesla into their computer and hacking into it. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs>
1: jailbreaking a phone is one thing, but I don't want to... If you brick your car, man, it's game over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not going to be good. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, that would This, this yeah. kind of reminds me of... Uh, I remember... What, maybe 10 years or so there's this thing in video games where I guess to con- to combat like the aftermarket resale of video games a lot of games would require like a $10 online pass so if, oh, you, yeah. so if you buy the game brand new it comes with a little voucher inside and you just download the pass for free but then if you buy it used then you have to pay $10 to play online if you choose so. so oh yeah so I guess this is just another way that they're trying to kind of like, oh, you don't want that used car from last year, by this brand new car that we just made. So. Right,
0: yeah. So Virgin Hyperloop is going to test their transport system in West Virginia. Virgin Hyperloop One plans to build a $500 million certification center in West Virginia. It will act as a center to test, develop, and validate technology behind the Hyperloop system, The system is still theoretical, and there's no fully functioning Hyperloop as of yet that has been tested with human passengers. Virgin Hyperloop 1 reportedly sent its magnetic levitating pod through an airless tube at speeds up to 240 miles per hour at their test facility north of Las Vegas. The theoretical maximum speed is 700 miles per hour, and the company believes that it can be achieved with an additional 1.2 miles of track. They had
1: planned on building their first Hyperloop system in India. So it looks like uh, Virgin and Elon Musk are uh, racing for the Hyperloop thing.
0: Yeah, I don't know if they're actually working together or if they're competing with each, o- with each other. I
1: need to do a little more research on that, honestly. I feel like I would have heard about because I know... Th- uh, Musk has been doing his Hyperloop for a few years now. Right? So yes. I, they, I mean, yeah. I guess it's possible, but I don't think they would. But who knows? Yeah,
0: you never know. There's, um, even though they compete, oftentimes there's cooperation between uh, tech companies as That's well. True. That's true. You know, like I've mentioned in the past, uh, Apple and Microsoft work together on Mac OS, and they compete with each other.
1: Well, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Competition. If you uh, mm-hmm. work together, you can come up with a little something. You yeah. Know? Back in the day,
0: uh, Microsoft created Microsoft Basic for the Commodore 64 as well as a lot of other platforms. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're trying to get their own MS DOS and Basic on IBM compatible PCs and eventually get their own operating system out there and yeah. uh, forget
1: all the others. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, GameStop has canceled an employee contest where employees can earn extra Black Friday work hours. Yay! So GameStop reportedly canceled a company-wide contest that wanted employees to perform a synchronized TikTok dance in exchange for prizes, including extra work hours on Black Friday. News came out November 3rd that GameStop announced the TikTok competition. Other prizes the winner could receive included an Amazon Echo 8, an Amazon Echo Auto, and a $100 Visa gift card. So, uh, they're oh. giving out hours as a prize. Yeah, What's
0: up with that? you know, the other prizes I get, yeah, uh, okay. So, as a retail worker, I guess a common complaint we have is our hours are being cut, you yeah. know, and I'm sure GameStop is probably pretty bad about it as much uh, negative stuff as I hear about GameStop. I mean, they're closing stores left and right, so yeah, and I'm sure their hours probably aren't great, yeah, at the same time. I don't want my reward to be more hours of work, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think that the reward should be something that you could just ask nicely for and get, you know? It's like... Yeah. Like um, I, What would you rather have? A- hours or a $100 a piece of card? I mean, that's a no-brainer.
0: <laughs> now, do they want to add 10 hours to my check without me working those? Yes, please. That's an award. Or maybe you know? some overtime or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but... Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. An award is not like here's more work you have to do. Well,
1: I guess you know why they're going out of business. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I don't... I, yeah, GameStop is just out of touch with reality. You know? Yeah. You ever watch Camelot 331 on YouTube? I have not. What is that? Okay, so it's a guy... I can't remember his exact name off the top of my head, but he goes by Camelot 331 on YouTube, okay. and he was uh, fired from GameStop. He used to be a GameStop manager. Okay. And, um... Since then, he's been making a living going after GameStop as well as other companies like uh Amazon, Lowe's, Walmart, etc., about like some of the ridiculous stuff that they're doing to their employees, you know. So,
1: there's another YouTube uh guy I I, uh, listen to sometimes, it's uh Clean Prince Gaming. He Mm -hmm. was a former employee of GameStop too, and he's pretty vocal about like some of the practices they employ that he's not really you know cool with. Yeah,
0: I I think I partially like uh, Camelot three three one, and my girlfriend does too because he's from Alabama and has this really strong Southern accent. Okay, yeah, it sounds like something you guys would be into. Yeah, and then he ends it with like singing like ba. (laughs) yeah (laughs) but then uh, like the outro I mean after that it's like all heavy metal (laughs) but anyway we'll be right back after this message
1: Welcome back. Thanks for listening. Now we've got a couple of stories today in the gaming news.
0: Video games are hitting record-setting levels as a stay-at-home activity during the pandemic. And a surprise to no one, I think... More people are playing video games while they can't leave the house or choose not to leave during the pandemic. Spending on games from March to August went up 30% or more when compared to the same months a year ago. Many say video games are providing a safe way to get together with family or friends virtually or at home. Some say this may be more of a permanent social behavioral change. Global video game revenue is actually expected to jump 20% just this year to $175 billion. This is based on the pandemic-boosted Q3 earnings results of big gaming companies like Activision and Sony and reflects increased sales for both physical and digital games throughout mobile, PC, and consoles, with more people sheltering at home this year.
1: Yeah, so like you said, this is really not a surprise to anyone. Mm-hmm. People have more free time; they're going right. to do more leisure activities. So, yeah, you know, I'm sure if you check the stats, there's other leisure activities that have gone up as well. But you know, yeah. obviously, video games are pretty popular. Yeah. So,
0: fight COVID 19, stay at home, and play video games. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, it's uh, yeah, especially with these new consoles coming out. It's a pretty crazy year for gaming in general. It's just, you know, I just can't believe. I think uh, I don't know if you've seen, but Animal Crossing, I think it became like the second best-selling video game on the switch yeah that doesn't
0: surprise me i mean i didn't hear the news but it really doesn't surprise me as much as my friends talk about animal crossing well it came I out at the perfect switch, time it came to- out like
1: right when the pandemic dropped like right. two weeks later and then everyone was playing it you know? yeah so but it's cool because you know i mean it's interactive you can visit people's islands all this other stuff so
0: Hmm. yeah
1: So the GeForce RTX 3060 Ti is to launch December 2nd. The latest RTX 3000 series card will be released December 2nd and will get 4,864 shader cores. Chinese forum, MyDrivers, shared initially that the date would be on November 17th. The site said it would also have 8GB of GDDR6 VRAM. The site said the price would be about 378 euros. That's $443.68 US$. But, of course, the price could be adjusted a bit here in the U.S.
0: Yeah, so I'm, um, I'm finding that interesting. This is getting into the more affordable graphics cards for PC. Yeah. So not like the high-end enthusiast uh, great cards, but something that the more average gamer is going to buy. And it's still, quite frankly, out of my price range at the moment because I'm poor. Someday, someday. Yeah. Come on, guys! You guys ought to sign up for the exclusives. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, that fifty dollars a year, that really help you pay for that graphics <laughs> I card. I know, right? <laughs> hey, baby steps, man. Baby steps. So uh, yeah, that's exciting though. This is uh, more the mid-range graphics cards here, um, which I think most gamers will go for. Yeah. And then, like, when they get to. Uh, 3050 i'm not sure if they're going to do gtx or rtx 3050 with
1: this generation i guess i'll have to wait and see
0: yeah because i know the previous generation it was a gtx of course rtx is a newer thing with the ray tracing cores um enabled on the hardware yeah so anyway next up space and science news
1: So, a reef found near the Great Barrier Reef is seen to be taller than the Empire State Building. A 500 meter high coral reef was found north of Australia's Great Barrier Reef. It is the first discovery of this type in 120 years. Scientists use an underwater robot called Sue Bastion to explore the reef. The Great Barrier Reef is the world's largest coral reef, but it's lost more than half its coral since 1995 due to climate change. This new reef is detached from the Great Barrier Reef. It is 1.5 kilometers wide and is one of seven other tall reefs in the
0: area. That's interesting. I wonder if it's like nature's way of like just fixing itself over time. Yeah, it
1: may, uh, probably. I mean, yeah. you know, they say you got to adapt to survive and you know, coral, they're one of the earliest life forms around. So they're probably used to having to adapt to different situations.
0: Right, yeah. So scientists have found a new way to navigate under the sea. GPS systems can't work underwater since water breaks down the radio waves that GPS needs to function. MIT scientists have developed a device known as an underwater backscatter localization, or UBL, which provides positioning information using acoustic signals without even using a battery. Existing underwater devices require batteries and usually act as sound emitters. The UBL reflects signals back to its source using a charge gained from the materials it is built with. But due to this method, the materials used to store energy, the performance is random, but using a range of frequencies, scientists can pinpoint locations with accuracy. So there's some new undersea navigation technology. What do you think of that? I mean, I'm not really involved much with undersea navigation, but I think that's great for uh, those that are working underwater, scientists or uh, divers, etc., to help figure out where they're going. You don't like to fire up the old submarine and take it for a spin every <laughs> now and then. I don't even have a submarine, man. No. <laughs> but, what's, yeah. what's that thing
1: parked in your parking lot then?
0: Uh, That's my girlfriend's car Oh, okay (laughs) (laughs) Or, well, I'm in an apartment So that could be anyone's car
1: It must (laughs) be someone else's submarine Yeah Do you you have any Russians living here? Maybe Okay (laughs) Alright, so a weird molecule in Titan's atmosphere Hints at complex chemistry
0: And I understand if you butchered this uh, name of the molecule, by the way I don't think I could even pronounce it right Give it a try
1: I'm gonna give it the old college try NASA scientists discovered a propending sign. That's not it. It's a, it's, a, it's a very long word with about seven syllables. Yes. In the atmosphere of Saturn's moon, Titan. It's a simple carbon-based molecule which has never been seen in any atmosphere before. Titan has been considered one of the most promising places to search for extraterrestrial life for some time. Cyclopropendin so cyclopropane like molecule. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get it. Let me try one more time. Cyclopropenylidine. Hey, that's it. Cycle- Cyclo is part of a class of molecules known to form an important part of the backbone of DNA and RNA. This presence of this molecule may mean that there could be life-giving chemistry on the moon, which isn't water-based. So, what do you think of the uh, cyclopropenylidine in the that- atmosphere of Titan?
0: That's uh, exciting, and I am not going to try to pronounce that word.
1: <laughs> it's just cyclopenipedine. <laughs> I,
0: I would have tried to if I had assigned it to myself, but I did not assign it to myself. So. I see. You're trying to mess <laughs> me up over here. No, I think it's just the way I did it. Uh, I, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I kind of like randomly start with one of our names and then just uh, go from I there. Understand. I understand. Just
1: how the pattern felt <laughs> today. Now um, I know why you dropped all those video game stories. <laughs> <laughs> Nah. I was playing. So, uh, yeah, this is pretty crazy. Like, I guess you can, you know, you can somehow use this chemical as it's part of the important makeup for DNA and RNA. Like, I know there's a, th- you know, the theory here on Earth is that, you know, DNA was formed from amino acids and eventually mm-hmm. the DNA... Clustered together to make like you know amoebas and prokaryotes and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So, yeah, who knows? There yeah. could be some stuff out there on Saturn. Yeah, so I mean, it's like a, it's something that's
0: commonly found in DNA, and so it's like it's in the atmosphere there. So that seems like there's some sort of life there for sure. Yeah, some on some scale at least. Who knows? Yeah, maybe they're flying UFOs. Wait a minute, so is that where that.
1: Thanos is from? Uh, he's from the planet Titan, isn't he? Well, I think in the, I know in the or comics he, he was he was from the moon of of Titan, off of Saturn. I'll, okay, I don't think I yeah. think that was what th- they used for the, right. for the for yeah. the movie though. But. yeah, so maybe Thanos is real. They didn't have the Thanos copter either. Bull, yeah. man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought the Thanos copter was cheesy anyway. But that's just me. It was camp. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, can lab grown brains gain consciousness? What do you think? Uh,
1: I don't know, some naturally grown brains haven't gained consciousness yet, so
0: we'll see. Well, brain organoids, or miniature human brains that are grown from human stem cells, are now common in labs that study the properties of the brain. In 2019, an experiment reported coordinated waves of activity in some of the brain organoids, which resembled the kind of activity in the brain that would be seen in premature babies it's unknown whether it's an indication that the brain organoids were conscious. Researchers are calling for a set of guidelines to guide the humane use of the brain organoids and other experiments that could achieve consciousness. But first, scientists need to define what consciousness is in order to develop these guidelines. Wow, this is like
1: Probably a pretty big ethical issue. It sounds like the beginning to a horror film, if you ask me. Could but, be, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess there is an ethical dilemma there, like how you define consciousness. Like you know, I know AI is you know just starting to pick up here, but uh, you know, in the next fifteen hundred years, who knows? Mm-hmm. Like we could have you know fully functioning androids that can feel and make decisions, yeah, and create art and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, you know, at that point, will they? be considered to be conscious or they just oh it's just a very very complex yeah. system but yeah but at, yeah the, at the end of the day aren't we all just very very complex systems you know yeah so.
0: but these brain organoids it's like they're organic life it's like this is
1: like definitely possibly life you know yeah i mean it's like it's like you know i know it's human tissue and all that so yeah that's an even different that's like okay it's just a few brain waves but is that consciousness it's like like, it might not have a body but uh gosh come
0: on that's like i don't know
1: (laughs) at the same time too even if you have a brain like even if it's conscious quote unquote like you can't perceive anything there's no ears there's no yeah mouth there's no eyes so it's like i don't know who knows, the, yeah. Uh, I don't brain. know what its
0: consciousness is like
1: without everything there, you know. I don't know, man. It sounds like a weird kind of hell. It's like you, you, sp- you blink into existence in your miniature brain, yeah, somewhere like, but <laughs> you can't see or hear anything. I don't know, I don't or that, feel anything, or I don't know. Would you be conscious at that point? I mean, I don't know. I guess technically, you're conscious inside yeah. the uterus when you're inside your yeah. own stomach, but yeah, I don't remember any of that, so all right.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, so. You don't remember any of that, so that definitely doesn't seem like a movie. But, uh, why do some memories seem like movies, Antonio?
1: Well, you may have some memories which play like movies. These are known as episodic memories. Scientists have identified the cells which make episodic memory possible. Time cells place a timestamp on these memories as they're being formed, allowing events or experiences to be recalled in the right order. Time cells have been identified before in mouse brains, but this is the first time they've been identified in humans. The presence of time cells in humans explains why people with damage to the hippocampus have problems remembering events in the right order. Yeah, that's interesting. So if you
0: can't remember things in the right order, you probably have damage to the hippocampus.
1: Maybe Yeah Yeah it was uh, It would be pretty weird If you just Remember things out of order Like yeah this morning I got up I had lunch Then I took a <laughs> shower Then I had breakfast Then I did my morning exercises and Then I went yeah. to bed Then I had dinner
0: <laughs> Yeah I, I went to bed And did my workout <laughs> Sure yeah
1: but um, yeah, I don't know. That would uh, that'd be pretty wild. Actually, I was watching. It kind of runs this TV show I just started watching, Mr. Robot. Have you seen that? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. You should definitely check it out. You'd probably be up your alley. It's about this guy. He's like a hacker, and like, uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but there's this part where he's going through like this mental problem, where it's just like but it's just kind of the way they you kind of see it from his perspective so it really messes with you as the viewer because like things are happening kind of in a different way than you're expecting right or it's kind of like uh, westworld i don't know if you've seen that no i know about it i haven't seen it but yeah westworld do a lot of things with time and that where it's like they'll have like two different timelines playing out simultaneously it's really weird but
0: yeah by the way you probably hear some meowing in the background if you listen closely enough that's my cat he's uh wanting to go outside (laughs) <laughs> He's not going outside, but he wants to go outside or he wants attention, one or the other. Maybe he smells a mouse out there. Oh, no. He just... He he lived a long time outside before we adopted him. All so right, you didn't know. tell me that. Yeah, so he, he constantly wants to go out there. So, uh, brain cell DNA refolds itself to aid memory recall. Ingram cells in the brain activate as we form memories... They also reactivate when we remember them. At MIT, scientists published a study that tracked the memory-making process at the molecular level. In the study, mice with a fluorescent marker spliced into their genome to make their cells glow when they expressed a gene associated with, uh, with memory formation were trained to fear a specific noise scientists found fine-grained changes in the architecture of the dna of hippocampal ingram cells this makes it easier for memory associated genes to work to strengthen and
1: preserve memories all right so we got brain cell dna refolding itself anything of that yeah that's interesting stuff. I'm no expert on that, but you know. Yeah, I'm not much of a brain <laughs> scientist myself. Yeah, so. we're
0: getting a lot into brains, but we're going to move beyond that now. Okay. So. <laughs> um, yeah, Antonio,
1: so tell us a little bit about this AI listening to your cough. Well, apparently there's an AI that can tell if you have COVID-19 based on your cough. Researchers at MIT created a tool using neural networks which can detect subtle changes in a person's cough and tell whether a person has been infected with COVID-19, even if there are no other symptoms. In the test, the tool was able to recognize 98.5% of coughs from people with confirmed cases and 100% of coughs from asymptomatic people. Asymptomatic carriers were less likely to get tested and are hard to manage during a pandemic. Researchers warn the method shouldn't be used as a substitute for getting properly tested, but its use could help improve detection rates. Yeah, that's really interesting. So if you
0: don't want that swab stuck up your nose just needlessly, you know, maybe this can do before you actually do the swab.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the of sobriety test before they take you to the station.
0: Yeah. Of course, they may still have to do the swab because this isn't meant to be a replacement for the test. Well,
1: I guess it's really more meant to detect it. But then once they detect it, like, all right, now you got to test you. So, yeah.
0: So, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, So, can information escape a black hole? That's the big question, right? Uh, Theoretical physicists are now saying with confidence that information can, in fact, escape a black hole. Most physicists have long assumed this, but a new set of calculations has confirmed this. With a new theory, information gets out through the workings of ordinary gravity with a single layer of quantum physics. Einstein's general theory of relativity states that the gravity of a black hole is so intense that nothing escapes it, but scientists are finding additional semiclassical effects become dominant when black holes get very old transforming the black hole into an open system
1: where information can spill out so like what you're saying is if a black hole is old enough we can hear stuff from the other side well not hear it but you know what I'm saying yeah I, I'm
0: not certain like some kind of information um, I'm sure they mean like you know
1: a signal or something like that I, I guess yeah um, obviously not sound but yeah, yeah black holes man they're pretty crazy yeah, I know we, we know very
0: little about black holes, so yeah, that's kind of hard to comment on. <laughs> but
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's like what do you even say about it? It's a collapsed star that's so dense not even light can escape it. Yeah, even like, if you even look at it, it looks like a freaking a void of like a bubble in space. <laughs> right. So anyway, do you think Mars possibly
0: has a uh, or or at least uh, Do you think the Moon rather ha- possibly has a
1: long lost twin? I don't know, but apparently scientists have found an asteroid trailing behind Mars with a composition quite similar to our moons. It could be part of the debris resulting from the impact that formed the moon and other rocky planets in our solar system. Trojans are a type of asteroid that follow planets. It's easier to spot Mars Trojans than Earth Trojans since Earth Trojans are angled towards the sun, which makes it hard to see. There are a number of theories about the origin of this particular asteroid. Research from the Mars Trojans should help scientists identify Trojans associated with our own planet.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure why exactly they're called Trojans. I'm thinking of like a Trojan horse, like we'd go in there pretending to be peaceful and you'd have soldiers
1: hidden in there and invade.
0: This doesn't sound like that at all.
1: Well, I guess because, I don't know, Trojan... Did, did the Trojan army follow somebody I don't know maybe I don't know if, not, any,
0: if anyone knows the reason for the naming let us know that would be great
1: any ancient Greek historians yeah. out there please hit the tech line yeah
0: call the tech <laughs> line 980-999-0835 that's 980-999-0-T-E-K
1: you finally remember the number I'm proud of you yes <laughs> alright so, uh, so yeah what you,
0: SpaceX That's you. Yep. Yeah, they're going to make their own laws when they go to Mars. Well, this doesn't Uh, sound like it could be a bad idea at all. (laughs) I I don't know. Uh, Yikes. Uh, Do I really want a corporation making laws for us if we move to Mars? Elon Musk has revealed plans to create a self-sustaining city on Mars last week. They'll likely use Starlink satellites for internet connectivity SpaceX will not recognize international law on Mars. The company will adhere to a set of self governing principles defined at the time of Martian settlement. It's a position similar to a declaration put forward by the Earthlight Foundation, a nonprofit organization that is committed to preparing for the
1: expansion of humanity beyond Earth. So Elon Musk is going to have his own little crazy clubhouse Up there on Mars, what do you think of that? Yeah,
0: I, I really don't know It's like, well that's assuming We could get to Mars safely To begin with I'll have to figure it out Yeah, yeah. but right now It's like Your blood would boil If you were to go to Mars The way it is right now They'd have to figure something out yeah. In order to even get humans there uh, It's very tricky So
1: that is tricky, but, I, but yeah. I guess you're They tell you all the laws before you go there So it can't yeah. be like, what do you mean I can't smoke? Like, bro, we <laughs> told you, you can't smoke yeah. on Mars But,
0: yeah, it's like I, You know, I find it a little Concerning that a corporation Is going to be making the laws For uh, Civilization You what know mean, Do we have
1: politicians doing it? Should we send some uh, politicians to Mars? I mean, just to be we safe? already have that, but See, I don't know. It's like I think that's the problem. There's really no right answer to that cuz it's like no matter what everyone's going to have their own interests. Like yeah, like we said in the past, this thing is a perfect system.
0: Yeah, but you know, I'm thinking this could potentially be a fascist system, you know.
1: I mean, it that, could be, but I mean, yeah, I guess I, you have you run that risk with any government though.
0: I know, but, you know... But who's I, to say... But, you know, and you have corporations in charge of the government that's closer to a fascist system. Uh, but, anyway, uh, let's see. We we have a lot of work before we even get to Mars. Like I said, if you try to do it with the stuff right now, if you could even get there, you try to land on Mars, you're going to have uh, blood boiling and you're going to die.
1: I mean, obviously, there's a question you got to ask before you go there. So yeah. <laughs> I'm glad they're getting in here now. they be like, all right, we're here now. What are we going to do?
0: <laughs> yeah. Ho- hopefully, we figure it out because we do need to get off this planet. But I'd rather have, I don't know. I just don't feel good about a corporation running a settlement that or, or any type of uh, governmental type thing.
1: That's my opinion. I mean, both are the only ones on the planet, so yeah. yeah. I guess. So, someone's got to be in charge, right?
0: I guess so, yeah.
1: Uh, all right, so, Antonia, you take this last one. All right, so NASA has called Voyager 2, and it answered from interstellar space. Voyager 2 has been in space for 43 years now, and it's 125 astronomical units away from Earth. In 1989, scientists ordered Voyager 2 to fly in a trajectory which resulted in it only being able to communicate with the radio antenna facility in Canberra, Australia. This facility had to be refurbished in March, and work will be completed in February of next year. To test the new hardware, Voyager mission managers sent a series of signals to Voyager 2, which it responded to. It was the first time since March that NASA was able to communicate with the spacecraft
0: yeah so i mean i think it's interesting that voyager 2 is out there it's able to get data from outside our solar system you know um and we're able to hear back from it yay it's only that one place where it can uh, be picked up huh
1: yeah it's kind of weird you think when it's that far away does the antenna have to be on australia can it be anywhere but
0: yeah but, I mean, I guess with the trajectory you went, you have to be in Canberra, Australia
1: to talk it. Oh, yeah, to I it. guess, because I guess if it's yeah. moving in a straight line, it's probably not going to hit anything, and there's yeah. no, there's zero friction out there, yeah. so.
0: Poor satellite, or not satellite, but spacecraft it probably feels all alone out there and I cold.
1: The, I think the saddest thing I ever heard was, I know you heard the Mars, the Mars rover sings itself happy birthday every year on the anniversary Aww. of it landing. Yeah. <laughs> that's the most aesthetic thing you ever heard
0: I feel bad for our space equipment poor rover yeah so lonely out there well
1: at least no one can hear you scream
0: yeah or sing to yourself and now I'm thinking of that honey bunches of oats commercial with the the, not the alien the astronaut in it saying I'm hungry here in space I lost my crispy
1: honey flakes (laughs) Yeah. I I like the nut and honey commercial, remember that? Uh I think so. It's like in the nineties there was a cereal called Nut and Honey. Yeah. So they'd be eating cereal like behind a closed door. They'd be like, Oh, whatcha eating? Nut and honey. (laughs) Yeah, I remember now.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a great uh episode of the Tech News and Commentary. I've been Joey Cagle.
1: And I've been Antonio Guerra.
0: We will catch you next time. Later's. Later, people.